news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And tonight we have a special guest, Jonathan G. Nelson of AAW Games. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Jonathan, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's Jonathan G. Nelson. I started AAW Games, originally Adventure Week, hence the name. Yeah, short version about myself. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a chef, an author, and a musician. And so in my life, I've become... I did a su- I became a sous chef at one point. I uh, was in a rock band that got uh, signed to a label on the East Coast and toured a whole bunch, so I did that. And then after that, I decided that I wanted to get into writing. So I had started uh, I had started DMing back when I was eight years old, really young, before we even knew what the hell we were doing. I uh, just had all these cool, colorful polyhedral dice and wanted to experiment and try to try to figure out what the heck all these numbers were and everything in the original books. And over time, we finally started to have a grasp on the rules and. I played D&D basically my entire life. There were a few hiatuses that here and there, you know, it's kind of hard to play when you're out touring with a rock band, but I kept playing and always tried to keep a tight, you know, group of friends going to gaming group. I finally wanted to get into more of the professional design. And so uh, my friend Todd Gamble and I, he had worked at Wizards of the Coast, uh, was one of the lead cartographers there for many years. Uh, him and I started the company AdventureWeek.com and we were pretty insane. We were actually producing one adventure every week, typically wow. between 32 to 64 page adventures that were complete everything art layout the full deal we were cranking out these pdfs uh one a week and i would basically work my day job and then lock myself into a closet with a a computer and or typewriter (laughs) to work away uh to be able to produce produce these adventures and we call it art we call it rpg boot camp (laughs) and so that's kind of how we got started um we just dove in head first and just went for it that's that's kind of how uh how Adventure Week and uh, AEW Games came about. Like it's a whole adventure a week. Yeah, that's insane. 32, 64 pages with art. Uh, were you doing the art? We, a lot of the art in the early days, we're, we were doing stock art and things like that just because we were just getting started, right? So our yeah. budget was zero. <laughs> you know, it was whatever whatever you can scrounge up to, to, to get up and off the grounds, right? So it's like we'd plug in little investments here and there and buying stock art and everything, but... Um, as we went on, we started to get a following, you know, and we started actually at first we weren't even doing PDFs, but people started demanding them You're like, Hey, we want to own our content because originally I designed it so you could uh, play all the games online. Uh, it, you wouldn't have to actually have a PDF. You wouldn't have to have a print book. You could just use your iPad. I created JavaScript uh, boxes that you could click to open and close. Uh, they were sorted by stat blocks. When we started, it was D&D 3.5 or Pathfinder first edition. And so you could scroll through. And if you were playing 3.5, and you had a stat block of some devil, you would click on the stat block, you know, on your tablet or, or on your computer, and it would open up. And then when you're done, you could click it, and it would close, and you could keep going with the adventure. And we had different boxes for magic items. We had audio sound effects, so you could play audio, music, or sound effects. Like, here's a dragon breathing fire, and you could click play. So that, originally, we started like that, but we found that most people weren't ready for something that advanced at that time. So then we started doing PDFs. Then people really liked our stuff and demanded that we start doing uh, print books. And by then, we had gained... A, a pretty good team of people that actually, uh, believe it or not, a lot of them were beta testers on the original site, and they were just so passionate and so driven that they got into it. One of the guys originally was a butcher, but he had had a heart attack, and he couldn't work anymore. He was disabled, and he was really in deep depression. Instead of giving up, he decided that he wanted to uh, learn how to do layout, and so he became our main layout guy and worked with us for many years and was even the inspiration for Rise of the Drow and helped us push it to Kickstarter and he was able to hold the hardcover books in his hands before he, his heart finally gave out, and he actually did pass away. But he fulfilled a, a lifelong dream of his, and we were able to do that with a lot of different people that we worked with. So everybody that was on the team was just like, 
we all did it because we loved it, you know, because we loved the game. It wasn't about like, oh, how much money can we make or any, you know, how, how far can we get or how popular can we get? It was more about like, this is what we do because we love it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that's where that all came about. And uh, we've come a long way since then. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say we're a professional company because I don't like to be too professional. I like to have a good time. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm a dude that likes to make games. I just have fun. <laughs> but, nice. but I'd say I'd say we have come a long ways and learned a lot over the years, and I've got a lot more uh, experience under my belt, both as a player and a DM at this point. No, that makes perfect sense. Before we hop into AW games, I have to ask the question. So you said you've been playing D and D since you were eight years old. Yes. What was your first edition? The first edition was the good old Red Box, and yes, it came from an uncle and an aunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a friend. We were actually uh, living on ninety acres of forest out in North Bend, Washington. Our friend's uh, dad, it's a long story, he had uh, been forced to do something he refused to do, pull a, arm, pull a weapon on someone when he was a Green Beret, and uh, he ended up going AWOL and became a horse trader in Afghanistan, <laughs> and eventually came back and settled on this land, and so our families ended up there, and at one point, an aunt and uncle came and brought us this this red box, box of Dungeons and & Dragons, and I was always, like, the really, like, kind of, kind of, uh, more like anal kid. Like, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to get my hands too dirty. I got to always wash my hands. And my friends, my friend was always like playing with knives and getting scars and falling, <laughs> get, falling down hills and things. And we would go rock climbing with no equipment in the woods, fighting with sticks and things. We used to pretend that we were fighting. And so when the aunt and uncle came and brought us the red box, I think it was all falling apart and all that was left were the books and dice. Uh, we saw Larry Elmore's art on the, on the cover and flipped it open. We were just sold. We're like, this game is, looks amazing. And, everything changed our whole lives changed at that point i mean for one thing he doesn't get to hit you with sticks anymore you just roll dice that's a lot easier exactly right? <laughs> he, he's i bet you he sometimes wishes that he could hit me with sticks and, and yeah and, and yes we're you still friends been, oh good you could have invented larping like however many years ago before larping really became a major <laughs> thing. i think i think it's always been around you know i think it's been around <laughs> since the early days well, i feel like they used to just call it life though right yeah <laughs> Cool. So let's let's hop into it. AW Games. So you gave us a little bit of a walkthrough of it. How long ago did Adventure a Week start? The original, um, actually, the kind of conception date of Adventure Week started on I know the exact date, December thirteenth, twenty ten. A light bulb appeared above my head, an imaginary light bulb, of course. And I grabbed it down and pulled it, pulled it down, and turned. You know, I wanted to see what's inside this light bulb idea, and so popped it open. That was the idea of you know having a website where you could get all your adventures and, and you could click and, to open and close the JavaScript where you could have the maps, where you could have everything. Cause I was going to this gaming group in Bellevue and I lived out here in like Snoqualmie area and uh, I would have to get my hiking pack and load it up. And it was so insane. I'd have all these books. I think we were playing 3.5 and then we started moving to Pathfinder at the time. And I just would have to haul all these books back and forth. And I was getting so tired of it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start writing my adventures in, a, in an online format. And at first it was like, just for me, you know, for my gaming group. And then I'm like, Hey, if I polish this up a little bit, we could do something with this. So yeah, I'd called Todd Gamble. Uh, him and I were friends. Uh, he had been, uh, he'd work with Rob Lazaretti at, at wizards of the coast. Uh, him and Rob had worked on a lot of the 3.5 stuff and then stuff for uh Pisa publishing. When they started taking over dragon and dungeon magazine, uh, he did lots of work for those guys. He did lots of work for uh, various uh, novels, like a lot of Forgotten Realms novels that were released around the time. If you look in the front, he did those maps. And he did all the maps for the D&D 3.5 uh, core books. So uh, he had a lot of experience under his belt with that sort of thing. And him and I, and he's a very incredibly creative individual. Him and I will come up with ideas and just go off on tangents. Um, he's no longer with the company, but we're still really good friends. And we still get together, go out to coffee every once in a while, and go walk around, talk. 
Uh, we're both kind of dreamers, you know, so we come up with wild concepts and ideas. But yeah, so him and I worked on it together. I would handle a lot of the writing and the story side of things, as well as the stat blocks and all that. And then Todd would create all of the beautiful maps, as well as some illustrations as well. He's really good at like delving into cultures and creating unique accoutrements and things that the culture might use. So you can see their different uh, weapons and daily items and what what have you. Okay. And then Adventure Week in the beginning, like you said, you were putting out an adventure every week, like kind of go into a day job, you know, at a point when this wasn't fully paying the bills, you do the day job, then you come home and you do your night job, which is actually your passion. Mm-hmm. You work, 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 and you finally get this thing out. Yep. And and I had, and wife and kids too. So, okay. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was not sleeping much, but I, I wouldn't be able to do that at this age, honestly. Like I'm kind of slowing down a little bit. I'm like, damn, I'm glad I did that when I was a little younger. <laughs> so does, does AW games still do a weekly release, like a, a weekly adventure release? We do, but we've toned it down a lot. What I've actually realized and learned with experience is that quality is much more important than quantity. It's really easy to crank stuff out. And the thing is, is some of the stuff we cranked out, we cranked out in a week. Guess what? Five-star reviews from, from Insight Geist, who's the number one reviewer of tabletop role-playing games on the planet. He's reviewed like something like four or 5,000 books at this point. Wow. Yeah, some of the reviews, would, he would write five-star review, and we're like, holy crap, we got five stars. And then, you know, the next week, uh, we come up with something, he reads that that one, and uh, guys, this is, you know, two stars, and this thing sucks, and here's why, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, you know, it's like hit or miss. And I didn't like that, you know, um, over time I learned it's way better to take your time with something and really make it shine. And part of that quality is also having the chance to play test things because yeah, you can crank out an adventure, but there's no way you could crank out an adventure in a week and play test the whole thing. Unless that's all you're doing. And let's, you know, let's face it. We all have other things going on in life. We can't just do that. <laughs> okay. So I, I take from that, you transition to like, you're, you're working multiple stories at a time. You're releasing an adventure a week, mm-hmm. but you're actually working them for much longer before you finally get them out not only that but what we switched to was a format of of mini dungeons which is essentially like a two-page flip side where you get a map a short little mini adventure that should last like maybe two to four hours and then you know some different monsters or what have you in it like i said back in the day we were going 32 to 64 page adventures move from that to basically a double-sided adventure Granted, on top of that, we do have other releases that we come out with, which are much longer, such as Rise of the Drow. Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of the mini dungeons for the past couple of weeks. Some of them mm-hmm. look really exciting, and it it looks like there's like a rotating set of them that are free at any given time. So, uh, yeah, I picked up a few. I, I paid for a few. I downloaded the free ones, like looked through a bunch of them. They look nice. like really good self-contained one-shots. Uh, yeah. And they run like a, a pretty wide level range. I think the highest I saw was like 9 or 10, but I, I wasn't looking very hard for the uh, the upper level cap. But, yeah, it, these look like awesome adventures that you could just drop into any ongoing game if you need to fill a session. Yeah, definitely. They're easy grab and go. And that's like the whole point of this. They're supposed to be like grab and go, plug and play, whatever you want to call it. They're for on the fly for whenever you need them, whether um, the adventuring group goes completely off the rails. And in my game, I like to have a sandbox, but there are times where the group does something I really didn't expect, or I just need something that's like, dang, they went off into those mountains. Okay, now they're going to go in this cave and I just don't have anything. And you could look, you could actually do a search. You could even do a search on our site right now. Like by, you could filter it down and go, I want a fifth edition mini dungeon and I need it to be this level and it'll actually filter them all out and you'll be able to grab that one, download it and just, you could roll with it from right then. Hey, look guys, let's take a 10 minute break. Read this real quick. Okay. Okay. So you go in the cave and you know, and then you have a map and everything else you can throw it in V and all our stuff, all our downloads come with all the maps too. So like you download it, you get the PDF and you get the GM map, the player map, the VTT map. 
AEW Games was the very first company to set that as kind of standard. I don't know if you guys have seen like a lot of products now come with that. We were actually the first ones to do that, where we every single adventure we'd say that comes with all the maps you need. It has one as DM with all the tags, one that is player that shows you like maybe the name of the town and some information and stuff. Usually without maybe without a grid or something like that, it's more like to look at. Yeah. And then there's the VTT version, which comes with no grid, no tags, no nothing, so you can drop into whatever VTU, VTT you use. And I should point out too, the mini dungeons we we've been releasing lately. I said that on the 99 cents that we were charging before, I said, ah, screw it, let's just give them to people and have people enjoy <laughs> them. So from here on out, when you go to adventureek.com, you'll see we release a new adventure every week, and it doesn't cost anything. You can just grab it. You can just go and download it and, and enjoy it. So, <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I do want to say, like, it's a fantastic standard to have like these different resources available because you do need that, right? Like, as a GM, you need to be able yeah. to see it. You need to know what's coming. But it's it's such a spoiler to like lay that down and reveal it, or to have to play like the paper games where I'm partially covering <laughs> the things you're not supposed to know yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that's pretty those awesome. Things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paizo doesn't even do the like because Paizo sells their adventures as PDFs. Wizards doesn't, but Paizo mm-hmm. doesn't do the like player map, GM map thing. And uh, yeah, they're they're notorious for the grids on their maps never fitting on a virtual tabletop, no matter what oh, you man. do. Something about the way that they reformat the pictures to fit into the books, the grids never quite line up. So the fact that your adventures are virtual tabletop ready is super awesome, especially yeah. now when ev- almost everyone is playing entirely digitally. Exactly, right? During COVID, it's a, everything's changed, you know? So and even <laughs> yeah. I, I prefer in-person, I really do, and I still have one in-person group right now. But my three groups I play in, it's like, you know, two of them are online and it, it's fun, but it's just not the same. You need to see people's faces, you know, it's, um, and, and that's one thing I encourage people that you do VTT is tr- try putting your, um, you know, try putting, putting an, Im- you know, the, the cameras, the camera image of everybody, turn your cameras on, have it up in the corner so you can see people's reactions because you're missing uh, one of the best parts of the game, especially as a dungeon master, see people's reactions when you throw something crazy at them. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll say like for uh, the game that Tyler and I play in. So we we span three different states and four time zones. Wow. We play in Roll Twenty, but we actually use Discord's video and chat so we can see each other and hear each other because it's yeah, way yeah. more reliable yeah. than what's in Roll Twenty. Yeah, and one hundred percent like it's perfect to be able to like look at each other and even do you know it isn't the same as being in person, but being able to do a bit of the RP where it kind of feels like you're you're in the same space is uh, is pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. I mean, we definitely do live in a in a pretty cool time being able to use the internet to play D anD D because, man, growing up it was like hardly anybody played, and you'd be like, "Hey, man, do you play D anD D?" Shut up! And then you get punched in the face and slammed into a locker. <laughs> you play Dungeons and Dragons? We're gonna kill you. Times you know, like, yeah. <laughs> are better. You're satanic. Yeah. And you're like, I just want to play a game with my friends. <laughs> it's like I want to do basic statistics. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Like I want a probability <laughs> chance. Which, yeah, it's a little bit odd. It's like, yeah, you ace probability and stats, and now we're trying to do geometry, and you're falling on your face. What's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, need to spend some more time on the uh, flight episode of the podcast. Learn to do trigs so you can figure out how far away you are from everything while flying. Perfect. Nice. Then, then you can pass anything. <laughs> I, I do want to say we're talking about playing over virtual tabletops. I, I have this secret wish. So I bought um, Tabletop Simulator in Steam. Oh, yeah. I've got it, too. Just in case. <laughs> There's a VR hook into Tabletop Simulator, so you can put on your VR headset. At some point, I want to attempt to play a tabletop game using Tabletop Simulator in VR so that you're actually moving your pieces around and maybe rolling yes. physical dice. Dude, get, get a hold of me when you do that, because I'm totally down. Yeah. <laughs> cool. it's, like, it's almost as good. Like, is it going to be worse? 
is it going to be worse than Roll20? <laughs> or is it going to be like, you know, like a B-movie? It's so awful that it's actually fantastic. I don't know yet. <laughs> but one day this is coming. Um, I do want to ask the question. So for AW Games, uh, we, we talked about that we can go and we can buy adventures. Um, like the most recent adventure is going to be free. I can go and I can search older adventures and I can purchase those. Yep. Do you, you also have a subscription model? Yeah, the subscription model is basically you pay $10 a month you immediately get $10 back in store credit, and then you get 10% off everything on the website. We're basically, you're giving us your money and we're just handing your money right back to you so you can go shopping. It's kind of like, you know, you're cha- we're changing it into AAW cash. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> and then awesome. You can, and then you can go shopping and you get 10% off everything. So it's like, it's basically an incentive to come back and keep buying from AAW, right? I don't know. As I've gotten older, I'm like, I'm, I'm less about like trying to figure out like what's the maximum amount of profit I can make off this. You know, it's like, yeah, I think, I think if we make good games and we make games that we love, I think other people will love them too. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking with a lot of this also with the free stuff, like play it, enjoy it. And if you like it, then know that we've got other books for sale. Like we've got rise of the drow. We've got underworld races and classes. We've got survivalist guide to spelunking. You know, we've got, some of these books and not only that, but you know, they're in VTT, they're in PDF and they're in hardcovers. That makes perfect sense. And I think that's an awesome model. And my take on it, like my, my, my take on this hobby is that people are willing to put their money towards good content. Yeah. And if you're a group and you're out there and you're making great content, people want to contribute. And so having that subscription model, I think is really interesting. Um, You know, folks go check out a mini dungeon. Like they said, it's free, go grab it. And if you enjoy it, yeah, why not keep going? Why not keep playing them? Yeah, yeah, and, and one more thing to mention too is in the subscription model, it's not just um, you know the ten percent off and everything I told you and the ten ten dollars a month and all that, but you also get access to an audio soundboard that has a bunch of different sound effects that you can just loop uh, sounds of people in a tavern or sounds of like I said before a dragon breathing fire, uh, sounds of a massive combat in a massive battle with magic going off, um, things like that. You can you can stream those while you're playing, and in addition, we have a flip book catalog which has a lot of our older releases. And uh, it has it for 5th edition, Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, and Starfinder. And you can go in there and you can grab any of those and just click them. And it's basically like PDF flipbooks that are online. So as long as you have a working internet connection, you click on it, the book pops up, and you can just flip through the pages and then flip flip down. It goes back on the bookshelf and you can scroll through and click a different book. So um, you also get, as you're a subscriber, you can log in and get access to all of those and you don't even have to download them. They're just on there and ready to go. That's really nice. And nice. nice. That's, that's awesome. I, you're right. Something you said a bit ago and, and what you just said again, uh, kind of cues a question. Yeah. What is support like for, let's say like 5e versus Pathfinder 1 versus Pathfinder 2? Support as in continued support for, for customers that may purchase something that's older? Well, or, you know, forget one. Let's just say Pathfinder 2 and 5e. Like, are, are mini dungeons coming out for both on a regular basis? Yeah, so we've got um, fifth, D&D 5th edition. Uh, those are coming out every week. We're not currently doing a weekly release for Pathfinder, but I will announce here, and I, I don't even think I've told anyone else this. Um, I've got two announcements, actually, tonight for you guys. It'll be a first time I announce them. So the first one is... Um, we're actually converting, we've been converting the mini dungeon tome over to Pathfinder 2nd edition. We're actually done with that. We've gone through the editing phase and now we're in layout. We're not that far away from a release. And again, I, we haven't even announced it to anybody, but we'll be uh, converting and putting out the path, the mini dungeon tome for Pathfinder. So it'll be like 140 advent, ready to go, you know, wow. adventures that you can plug and play in Pathfinder 2nd edition. Granted, we, we probably will do some kind of little mini fundraiser just because to get the money necessary to see like, hey, how many people are actually interested in having this thing printed? 
let's get it off to the press um, because we have a printer. Everything's geared up to go. We just got to like get that those initial funds to print the book and then send it out to everybody. And which, by the way, me and my family send out all of the books except for our worldwide distribution stuff. We took that over because, again, quality, not quantity. And a lot of books were getting damaged and orders were getting screwed up when we worked with other companies. And I thought, well, we need to put the care into our books from beginning to finish. So I hand pack my own books and ship them out, even though I have to dedicate like parts of weekends and things like that. I do that. And if anything screwed up and there's a dent, return to sender and I'll send you a new book right away. I'm not screwing around. I provide good customer service. I treat others the same way I'd want to be treated. Yeah, so that... buy their books and you have a problem, reach out to me and you'll be talking to me and I'll pack the books for you. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's awesome. And, and I will say, I think we have a, a pretty healthy like Pathfinder 2 following. So uh, when you get to the point where you're trying to raise, I think people want more Pathfinder 2 adventures. They want more content. Uh, so let us know and we'll, we'll tell yeah, them gladly. too. And I'll tell you one more thing about that, too, with the mini Dungeon Tome uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, the lead project uh, developer on that to redo it and get it out for Pathfinder 2nd Edition is Tilo Graf, which earlier I'd mentioned N Zeitgeist, who's the number one reviewer of tabletop role-playing games. AEW Games actually hired him about a year and a half, two years ago, and so he's one of our core team members now. He, and he's actually written um, some adventure paths for Paizo. Uh, he, he just recently wrote an adventure path for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Cool. He definitely knows what he's doing, and so you're in good hands. <laughs> awesome. Right. So, awesome. That's awesome. quite a pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned there's there's over a hundred adventures in the the mini dungeon tome that are being that are being mm-hmm. converted to PF2. Adventure Week's been running for ten plus years at this point. We launched in 2012, actually. Um, 2010 okay. is when we started building up um, before we went live with it. We we wanted to build up some adventures so we didn't go live and then have a problem. So. <laughs> okay, so how many adventures have you published at this point? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is that is a question that I may not have the answer to off the top of my head, but I can tell you this. Going on, on my site right now, we've released 421 products for 5th edition on our website. Jeez. 340 for Pathfinder. Um, 133 different maps you can download, and that doesn't count the mini dungeon, the ones that come with mini dungeons. And then we've got some other stuff too. We've got 14 products for Savage Worlds, 30 for Starfinder, and then we've got like 22 miscellaneous products, like um, things like uh, shirts, hats, um, uh, a zine that we did for a while, stuff like that. So, so you've got o- over a thousand things on your site to buy. Yep, like that I is... said, like I said, RPG boot camp. We were oh. we were insane. <laughs> So I don't much. know how we did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh I don't think a single group could play everything you've written in a lifetime. I think that's you're amazing. probably right. <laughs> well, I mean we could try though. We could I, try. Yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> if you want to. I'll put you up in the challenge, give you full access to all our content, and you guys see see what percentage you can finish. You know, we got to sixty two percent. Yeah, that's one of our players died at age ninety eight. You know, yeah. it's like that. That's the stream that we have to just set up like twenty four hours a day. We'll have rotating yeah. tasks. That'll be great. Yeah, rotating players and DM like the DM when the DMs just fall asleep and go, okay, now we're switching to. Uh, to, you know, Fiel over in Norway, and he's going to run the rest of the game. <laughs> get, it, get in the backup. Get in the backup. <laughs> uh, awesome. Cool. So uh, we talked about it a little bit, but let's actually dive into it. So Rise of the Drow, tell us about it. Yeah. Rise of the Drow is probably our second most insane decision ever because the first most insane was coming up with an adventure every week. This one was basically, we said, hey, we, let's, let's write an adventure about, about Drow in the Underdark. We love the Underdark. You know, who doesn't? At the time, it was us and our original crew 
and we'd already released quite a few adventures. People were, uh, we had a lot of subscribers. People were getting excited about our content on the site and that we were doing stuff finally in PDF. And so we did, we came out with Rise of the Drow we, and we started, we started writing. It was uh, myself I was, and uh, my friend Stephen Yeardley. Uh, he's co-author. Not to say that I was lead author. Uh, Stephen and I went hand in hand and, and tackled this thing from different angles. And there were a, a whole cast of other people involved as well. A lot of artists and uh, cartographers and a whole, a whole cast of people. I mean, there's no way we could have done a book like this. It's over 550 pages. It's, it's a massive, it's got basically adventures, a, an entire campaign city in the underworld. And we call it the underworld, not the underdark, but it's interchangeable, right? Yeah. And then a, a bestiary that is just massive. So um, this book alone, you could, you could skip the adventure entirely and just use it as a source book for the underworld. But yeah, so Stephen Yeardley and I wrote it. The original version, all the cartography was by Todd Gamble. Uh, the new version has been since been revised, and uh, the cartography is by uh, Tommy Salama and Sean McDonald. Uh, we've had all kinds of different artists work with us, from uh, Matesh Lorenzio to um, uh, Kareem Bayet. He Kareem did the cover. He does a lot of work for uh, Wizards of the Coast. Actually, he's done some, a lot of magic cards and things like that. And uh, yeah, and even uh, I, some people might know Satine Phoenix. Um, before she was big and doing all the stuff for D and D. Um, she was doing her Monster Maidens art, and so she did some artwork for this book as well. Uh, lots of great people that worked on this thing. Awesome. Yeah, it honestly shows. The art in this thing is gorgeous. Uh, the back of the book has like 200-plus pages of monsters. A lot of mm-hmm. them are original. There are a few from the SRD, but as as far as I could tell, all the ones from the SRD also got really nice new art. Yep. Yeah, the bestiary in this thing is amazing. Every encounter I've looked at has a map for it. Mm-hmm. And the maps, the maps are honestly gorgeous. Thank you. It's thorough. It's good. You have everything you need to run the adventure in the adventure. Like all the monsters from the SRD that are in the monster are also in the bestiary, so you don't even need to own the monster man. You can just like player's handbook this, mm-hmm. and you can run a campaign for years. It's exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and and I did skip over one little thing, and that was that this originally was like just on the website and then it was pdfs and it was like it was a trilogy and then people wanted a kickstarter so we did the pathfinder first edition kickstarter that created a hardcover which is now so collectible people are signed for like three to five hundred dollars a piece because we only made like 900 of them or something then we redid it everything and uh, i have to mention thomas bomback he was the developer of this and also did layout he completely you know basically took apart the original books and reconstructed it into this one right he deconstructed and then reconstructed and, and pieced it together so the first few chap the first bunch of chapters are here's all your adventure and then yeah and then next you come up here's all your campaign setting and then you go okay here's you know new spells and all that and here's your bestiary so it's all neatly organized by the section so you can use it the way you want to whether you're just playing the adventure and jumping into the campaign setting as needed there's hundreds of locations to visit in a dwarven city there's hundreds of locations to visit in the Drow City. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many nooks and crannies that we. That, and then there's other places, unexplored underworld, that goes off, and those are touched upon in some of our mini dungeons. Or you might hear of certain rumors in Survivalist Guide to Spelunking, or Applied in Aggregate Spelunking, our, our follow-up book to that. Like, there's all these loca- locations and other things taking place while these events are transpiring. There's all these other events. There's a whole trilogy. There's the Stone Home trilogy, our U series. That stuff's taking place around the same time. But the Stonehome dwarves, they're off and they're isolationists. They're not helping out with what's going on in the Underdark. They don't care that the drow are attacking the other dwarves because no one's coming in or out of their city. No one's been in, and out of, in or out of here for a long, long time. They all live back in, in, in their, own little, their own little pocket, their own little world. But 
eventually war is going to come to their doorstep as well. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different angles to play from here. And you can play that adventure too. I, I do. I feel like we, we haven't mentioned what I expect is probably Tyler's favorite part of the entire story. Uh, the spiders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The spiders. Uh, as we we've discussed, spiders, I hate spiders. As we've discussed many a time on this podcast, uh, I'm the kind of person that installed that Skyrim mod where all the spiders are inexplicably bears. So, <laughs> uh, nice. I, I, I'm I, the person who snuck in and turned all the monsters back to spiders. <laughs> back to spiders. Nice. My uh, my girlfriend hates spiders too, so I know there's a certain scream I hear. <laughs> and I know, I know it's my my time to go out there. And then I have PTSD from step, not really PTSD, but I'm, I, I have a bit of PTSD from a restaurant that I worked in at one point in regards to rats and other rodents. So huh. I take care, and we've got cats, so they're always bringing them in the house and stuff. So I take care of the spiders. She takes care of the rodents. We got a deal, and there's no questions asked. If I was in this podcast right now and I hear a scream, I'd be like, Okay, guys, sorry, even if this is live, I, I got to go take care of a spider. I'll yeah. be back in a little bit. It's like, talk amongst yourselves, we'll get in together. I mean, it, like, literally, that's what partnership is about, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's yeah. how it all works, right? Who's going to do this particular brand of infestation? <laughs> um, so, so I have to say, I, like, I've been through this thing cover to cover. Surprisingly, like, I, I don't want to say a small quantity of spiders, but the amount and detail on the spiders <laughs> was not so spooky that I couldn't handle it. That's like good. It, it was an acceptable quantity of spiders, in my opinion. That's yeah. good. So if you're sitting at home <laughs> thinking, I don't know, is there going to be too many spiders? Uh, it has Tyler's approval. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I always encourage people to make it your own. So like, you know, let's say if Randall was running it for Tyler, of course, Randall, you're welcome to put in more spiders. You know, you could always <laughs> decrease the amount of gooblins and throw in a few more spiders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was really hoping you were going to encourage people to use bears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Phase bears. <laughs> hey, if you run the game, phase bears. Party phase on. Bears. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, awesome. I, I, I do have a question. Uh, can you lay out for folks... Kind of the one minute, like, what is the story? What's happening? You've given us an idea of kind of the setting. We we see kind of what's going to be happening. But, yeah, what's, what's the story that's going to unfold maybe without spoiling, you know, a ton of the material? Yeah, yeah. The story the story in Rise of the Drow um, is one one that a lot of us actually know and, in a way, kind of expect, but it comes at a slightly different angle. The Drow are expanding. Uh, they've been expanding already in the Underdark and that's starting to impact other communities in the Underdark, um, specifically the dwarves, or in our world of Aventir, the dwarves that live at, there's four subtypes of dwarves, but the dwarves that live at the most surface level are Dwiorg. And, and a lot of our dwarven names are based on ancient mythology of ancient mythology from our world, right? So, um, so the Dwiorg have started to come to look for help on the surface, and they're trying to prevent a massive war. Uh, their, their city is mostly uh, is a, trading, a trade city, and they have, you know, everything to lose by the drow trying to move in and starting to um, starting to manipulate other areas around them and starting to take over different trade routes and things like that. So that so the, the dwarves are on uh, at least one dwarf is in particular is on his way to the, the village of Rybalka, which sits on Serpent Lake. And Rybalka in itself is a community where it's a merging of two cultures. You've basically got the Klevekians. You could think of that as like Tsarist Russia. And then you've got the Vikmor Dare, who are a mashup of Native Americans and Vikings. And so the Vikmor Dare worship the ancestor spirit. They believe that, that the ancestor spirit is a culmination of all the wisdom of their ancestors and nature itself that continues to speak to them and guide them. 
the Kovacians are all about expansion and exploitation of resources. And so they've moved into the region uh, to go after specific resources and have fought some wars with the Vic Mordere. This is where you start out. You start out in the village of Rybalka. The snow is falling. It's starting to get dark. And you're being summoned off to the cathedral. Um, there's some kind of ceremony. There's the ceremony of light is taking place tonight. So you start heading off to the cathedral and um, a series of events unfold there. And uh, I, won't, I won't give a lot away as to what exactly happens because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but there's a lot of different role-playing opportunities, opportunities for players to kind of get into their characters and experience the uh, different cultures that, that exist here. And then some action breaks out, right? And something, something is happening. The drow have arrived. And, no, you know, most people have no clue what these, what these people are. You know, you've never seen these, these, these people. And they're, they're popping in and out. And uh, they're off with something important. They're, they're off and fleeing from here. They've grabbed something of importance and, and they're running. And as they run, something happens. And there's, there's an eclipse. There's an eclipse happening and it's dark out. And the eclipse is supposed to end, but somehow it doesn't. It's, you're plunged into total darkness. And now... The eclipse is you're trapped in the, in this world in between worlds basically, and you have to if you want to be the heroes that you're you're meant to be, you have to you have to chase these drow down and retrieve something. And each each step re- starts revealing more and more clues about what, what's been going on. That the drow have been up here for a while, and they've taken slaves, and things are happening. You know, they're starting to actually change the the landscape up here, and no one even knew they were here all along. And and one of the dwarves finally comes to the group and starts to tell them after after they've been through this whole series of events, hey. Please come down to Embla. We need your help. We need to go speak to the merchant circle of Embla and tell you what's going on. Because if, if, if we don't get help stopping these drow, they're not just going to be our problem. They're going to be your problem as well. You know, we're all in trouble. So then the adventures go and start to delve into the, into the Underdark, one of a couple of different ways to gain access. And, uh, and from there, the story can unfold a number of different ways. Uh, once they reach the city, the dwarven city of Embla, some events transpire of which I can't speak of at this time, but some events transpire and then multiple, it kind of opens up into a massive sandbox. Um, so DMs that aren't great with sandboxes uh, definitely want to be able to read ahead because there's so much content. There's so many places people can go. And I, w- what I always recommend is ask your group, like before the next session, where do you guys, where are you guys thinking of going next time? Okay. And what's your backup plan, you know, so that you know, kind of, okay, these are the sections I'm going to read about because there's no way you can read a 550 page book and actually retain all of that you know, over the course of all these sessions. So you'll have to grab little tidbits. The book I should speak of, I didn't tell you about this, is of extremely high quality. So it's a soft touch cover. It's got foil on the cover and the spine. Um, it's got purple head and tail bands, purple metallic end papers. And then it also has uh, two ribbon bookmarks. Um, one is purple and one silver. And the reason for that is so you can mark uh, your place where you are in the book as far as the adventure or campaign setting goes. And then also somewhere back, like if you need to mark a bestiary for an encounter or something like that, somewhere in the bestiary, you can have that earmarked as well. So because we knew, you know, people are going to be flipping back and forth a lot. So that helps out. And we use the, the highest quality of paper, ink, all of that stuff, um, you know, th- that the printer pro- could provide uh, to make this book because we want it to be something that's really special, can last on your shelf for a lot of years and that you get a lot of joy out of. But that's basically kind of the, as much as I can tell without giving a lot away, but there are so many locations to visit in the campaign setting section. So many things to do. I mean, it's 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 incredible. There's there's you could play it. You could probably play it five times, and each group will go to totally different places and tackle it in a completely different way. So I gotta say, and I hope you don't hate the analogy. Uh, so I, I grew up in an era where like the mind opening RPG that I played was Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Yeah. 
where right like you're stuck in midgar and you're you have to do all this content in midgar and like it's kind of da, 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 and then all of a sudden the world opens up and you're out there and you're like whoa like i, I don't I, I can do anything and and yeah. kind of what you're describing it almost it, it gave me that same feeling of like okay we're going to be a little bit on rails you know not to say completely but a little bit yeah. we're going to be chained to this we're going to build up the story we're going to get to the point where like okay we know we want to solve this and then what you described, like just opening the world up and saying, mm-hmm. now, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? It's up to you. <laughs> no, I, I, I absolutely love that. I think you're spot on. And it's just like any, it's actually any really good storytellers. If you, if you follow along stories, and even though many of us probably hated how Game of Thrones ended, and, you know, no spoilers. Yes, no, those that still are hanging on this and haven't watched the end, but just maybe leave it alone. Last season. Drop it. <laughs> but, but still, to, in order to get you into the story, they have to kind of like, drop in you drop in these characters bit by bit you start to understand who they are and what their place is and then here's a new location and here's another new location and the next you know here's another one you don't just give it all at once if i just gave you all of the backstory to rise of the drow and tried to like prep the players you'd be so overwhelmed with information so yeah it's like i think you know when you start out those lower levels it does help to have like here's a bit of a railroad with some little like side tracks you can take but once we get you guys up to speed and you know who you are and you know your relation to everything else in the world and how it might may or may not interact with you. You understand who the Dwiorg are or who the uh, Hoolings are, the bat creatures that live in these caves, you know, or the Funglets in the Fungi Forest. If you start to understand those different creatures and maybe their roles, even politically, in what's transpiring, then you kind of can now be let loose. And now you're wandering around the Underdark doing whatever, right? Like searching, searching for certain clues or taking a certain path or being stealthy and trying to maybe get into the drow city for additional information or raise try, attempting to raise an army and attacking whole lot the, the, the drow city outright you know i mean there, you could come at it from many different ways now i really liked that bit of dm advice you gave uh, a couple minutes ago asking players at the end of the session where do you want to go next session and then mm-hmm. what's your backup plan like that is solid advice for any sandbox that i hope people will follow huge adventure 500 plus page book Mm-hmm. What's the level range on this thing? The level range for the adventures is levels 1 through 15. And if you go th- and explore and continue to explore, basically I would say that you're going to get at least to level 20. So you could get a full levels 1 through 20 out of this book and continue to adventures thereafter, right? <laughs> so it's a, it's it's the real full deal all in one book. <laughs> so, so for people looking for that full 1 to 20 experience from a published adventure, like we haven't seen that from Wizards of the Coast yet in 5th edition, so uh, this might be a good place to look. Yeah, we finally found yeah, it. And I, w- I will warn people, though, that, the, that the, the last part of this adventure, originally it was a trilogy, right? So we had a trilogy, and then we came up with a prologue and an epilogue, and then that all got merged into one massive book. The epilogue is... Not only is it for higher level characters, but it is not for for novice players. If there are actually parts in it where if you get to a certain spot, you will die. If there are parts of it where you, if you make the wrong choice, you cannot go back. You're you know, and I can't. I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's um, it's basically it's not it's not your typical Dungeons and Dragons encounter. It's not your typical maps. It's not your 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 you're completely thrown to something where you must you keep your wits about you. Probably no no drinking any uh, IP <laughs> game night. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to keep your wits about you because uh, just because you're high level doesn't mean you're necessarily going to survive it. So it's it is very very tough at the end. All right, so I'm hearing five E uh, famously forgiving compared to previous editions. Uh, the epilogue of Rise of the Drow 
less forgiving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. pretty brutal. All right. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any other projects coming down the, the, the pike? Yeah. Um, we've got a, quite a few projects. Um, I don't like to reveal everything, but I do have two you know, the the two things that I can drop here in this podcast is, and I haven't told anyone else, is obviously we've already announced about the Pathfinder 2nd Edition conversion of the mini Dungeon Tome, and we'll do some kind of fundraiser for that at some point to make that printed in reality and get it out in people's hands. Uh, but the really big one that I'm really excited about it is my own full-on return to adventure writing, where um, this is an adventure strictly by myself, uh, with a lot of help from uh, Tivo Groff to help me refine it. And lots of hours of playtesting, but also by by myself <laughs> throughout COVID. And it is called Roltmork. And Roltmork is an adventure about duality. Everything in life has duality. Light and dark, life and death. And so this adventure steps into that. And it's always hard to share adventures without giving too many spoilers, right? Because if I'm talking about this adventure and someone's players are listening, they may go, oh, well, now I know all about what's <laughs> happening here. But but the short version is, is that... Uh, Rotemork is an adventure that starts out around level six to seven, and it, it takes place in the Aventure campaign setting in an area known as the Disputed Territories, specifically in uh, Chonia and Bavonia. So, if those two, if if people are interested in checking out any of the any of our blog posts, um, we have something called Aventure Adventures, and some of those blog posts deal with and address some of these new locations, kind of surrounding where this story is all unfolding and taking place. I haven't shared any of the artwork or anything yet. Um, Maybe, you know, I could send you guys a one image or something like that. If you guys want to post it out there when you, when you post this live or whatever uh, out to the world, but we've been working behind the scenes on, uh, on the story, the artwork, the stat blocks, all of this. And we've introduced actually new mechanics. So part of the new mechanics, the new mechanics are that creatures in this adventure, and again, this is so hard because I want to tell you everything, but I can't keep it away, right? <laughs> it's this ancient, there was an ancient culture, the Grecians. They were very advanced, and they had different locations throughout the realm that were of great significance. And one place was at Fort Roltmork, underneath Fort Roltmork, in this tall spire of stone that some legends said were a great giant that was once turned to stone. This fort was built upon its head. And within, within it, a water clock of great design, of great uh, Grecian ingenuity and engineering. And this, this water clock would bring life back to this land, this land that was becoming very parched as the climate was changing and people were starving and dying and dying of thirst. And this water clock was uh, brought about by uh, the Vossians. The, the, in, in our world, the, the deity of water and specifically fresh water and life is the goddess known as Vossi. And so um, this water clock, and picture the yin-yang symbol, right? This water clock was able to create water and create blessed water for this entire region and cleanse everything. But something happened long ago. Um, Something transpired, and the place is now in ruins. It's a thousand years later, and the adventurers are coming to this place. And they come upon some very strange things going on at the top of the ruins. And... As they start to travel on, they come upon different different people and different creatures and different things. But one of the, one of the mechanics that we're introducing in this for D anD D fifth edition is that there are creatures that are in stagnation mode, and there are creatures that are in flow mode. And so, think of stagnation as green and flow as in blue. 
And as they go through the adventure, they start to find things. They, every once in a while, they find a token, a flow token or a stagnation token. It's like little bits of almost like crystallized stagnant water or crystallized, clean, pure, fresh water. And they, there are other things as well, without giving away any spoilers. But anytime there are certain interactions, you, can, you could use a certain power to change it from stagnation to flow. So picture a monster stat block. And certain abilities are in green. Other abilities are in blue. Certain immunities or resistances or conditions, think that, you know, condition immunities are, some of them are blue and some of them are green. So depending on which mode the creature's in, it changes completely. It changes the way it reacts. It changes the way it fights. The characters have the ability to interact with these different aspects um, within here. So, so there's a duality to the adventure. And um, I always like to play off of a lot of like, you may see this as evil, but from their perspective, they see you as evil, right? Like it, alignment is kind of in, in my brain kind of irrelevant because everyone thinks they're the good guys. So there's a, there's some duality in some of that, you know, exploration, both inner and outer. I will say that there's a little bit without, without giving too much away, there's a little hint about, there's some information about the past and there's some mechanics and things that happen in this adventure, which haven't may not have happened in other published adventures before. So it's been three three years in the making. Uh, the original adventure, it was crazy. The only time that Tilo Graf ever came out here, who's been working with me on this project, we were actually playing that adventure when he came out. And so he got to play in person with us when he was out here on, on game night, which was kind of fun. And then now it's years later and we're still working on it. And I've been running play tests on this adventure so much. Like I said, I did Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Monday night, and last night on Tuesday night, um, <laughs> which obviously this will be recorded and played later or what have you. But I've, um, I've, I've put in so many hours behind the scenes, um, testing things out, tweaking things, changing things. And then after every session, and actually I'd recommend this for DMs to do this, not only for playtests, but just at your own table. After every session, I pull out my phone and I say, okay, guys, I hit record. I go, do you have permission to record your voices? Yeah, cool. Let's go. And uh, I ask them, what did you like? What did you dislike? What, what, and the things you disliked, how would you like to see them changed? You know, did you feel like in, in this combat, did you feel like your character had something engaging that they could be doing? Or were you just twiddling your thumbs being like, dude, when's this combat going to be over, you know? And so every single bit of feedback I got from every player, and some of these players have been, you know, these guys played with like, they still, one of the guys still plays with Peter Atkinson all the time. Um, these guys have all played with a lot of very experienced dungeon masters over the years. And um, I've gotten some incredible feedback We've completely revised certain sections of the adventure and then rerun them again. Um, it's had a lot of refinement, and I really think it's going to be incredible and that people are really going to enjoy the adventure. So, yeah, it's called Roltmork. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Like, that mechanic that you describe, it seems amazing because you could go through a place and be like, ah, I don't care about these creatures. Like, you know, they're, they're weak. This isn't a big deal. We can walk through it, and all of a sudden this scenario changes, and now, like, wow, you know, what was fine is now no longer okay and i have to get out of here yeah and, and, and get this so the artwork for this every single creature that we have in stagnation mode we also have the same creature redrawn in 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 flow mode so every single creature in the book has two artworks to go with it oh that's great <laughs> that's pretty awesome yeah that's actually really really awesome cool so that'll be exciting uh i'll say you have a couple cool things going on so one the uh mini dungeons tome Yes. Coming to Pathfinder 2, uh, this project as well. Uh, I'll, I'll say it now. When you get to the point where those things are a little more mature, you want to tell people about them again, welcome back. Definitely. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. talk about it again. 
Roadmark's going to have a Kickstarter coming up for sure. I'm thinking Fair probably enough. around probably probably April. So awesome. Yeah. No, we would love to have you back. We'll talk cool. about it. Kind of keep people up to date. Let people know where to go find the Kickstarter whenever you have it ready. Perfect. I, another thing we were curious about, kind of looking at all the content across uh, AW Games. Do you ever see a point where you start publishing modules on Roll20 or other virtual tabletops? It's funny you should mention this. So we have been publishing for Fantasy Grounds for so long that um, I actually know Doug and the guys, like back when I first went to Gen Con ever, somehow I ended up with them. And they're like, hey, let's go for beers, you know? And like, and I'd already been doing Fantasy Grounds because my friend CJ, he was my other friend that passed away that was our DM. He had, he was really into Fantasy Grounds. So that's why I kind of like dug into them. But so yeah, I got to know the Fantasy guy, Grounds guys really good back in the day. And, and actually, actually, I, I hooked Jen Page up with, with her job there because um, because i knew those guys so nice. well and then then there was uh, uh roll 20 when they first came out our adventure was the very first adventure you could get you just get it for free we actually crow's rest island our first adventure we ever made was a1 crypt of the sun lord but we created an adventure called a0 that, that is happens before that and that adventure is called crow's rest island and that was the very first adventure that you could get on roll 20 and it was just free you would log in it's a you could create your own game where it says play this game. And we had it on there before there even was a marketplace. But funny wow. enough, funny thing enough is like after it got going, we kind of, I don't know, we were just busy, right? We were doing other things. We didn't know how to do all the conversions and we just frankly didn't have the time. Right. So we were mostly doing fancy grounds, but now we've got um, someone that's a dedicated roll 20 person. And we got a couple of people that are dedicated fancy grounds. And now we also have foundry as well. And um, rise of the drow is actually going to be released on foundry within the next probably week or two. And that one, uh, the developer's been working on it for over a year, like day and night, um, plugging insane hours. It comes with the, it comes with tons of audio. It comes with like all the extras. You, I mean, it's insane. It is like the the probably one of the biggest things that, that anyone's put together for Foundry. But yes, we have plans to come to all of those, and there are already Roll Twenty modules in the works right now to, that will be released very soon. So just watch the marketplace <laughs> for AEW games. Awesome, wow, that awesome. is a lot. And, and then, yeah, if uh, when when the content, when Rise of the Drow content comes out on Foundry, if you send it to us through the power of the internet, we'll just stick that link in. People won't know that it wasn't there when we first released the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should point out too, Roll, Roll 20 is, or, or um, yeah, Rise of the Drow is also coming to Roll 20. That one's been in the works for a while. We were supposed to come out in um, quarter four of last year. Uh, but again, I think anybody that works on this thing kind of goes, oh yeah, I got it. I got it. And they get into it like, oh man, this is, this is a beast. <laughs> I'm still struggling through this thing. I got to make sure it's perfect. And the guy that's working on it is just like obsessed about every single thing being perfect. And so he's still working through it with a fine tooth comb and he won't give me a final ETA, but I'm thinking we'll see it within the next probably two to three months on a roll 20 as well. So watch for it there. And when you guys are ready for that, let me know. I can send you free links and all that. So you can get it for free and check it out. We awesome. Yep. Not for yep. all your listeners, but for you guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> we appreciate we it. Review it and then, you know, promote it to all the people listening. Exactly. 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 No, that's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> Do you have any like conferences, any shows you plan on attending soon? Yep. We'll be at Gen Con 2022. And I will, hopefully this will be like the end of COVID and we'll all get out there and we're going to have an awesome <laughs> party and play games. That's the plan. So um, we're actually, AW Games has been to Gen Con before, but we always share booths with other fans and friends and, and other companies. Uh, this is going to be our first time where we have just a booth that's all our own. And because of that, they've put us on Entrepreneurs Avenue. So check, check us out on Entrepreneurs Avenue, and um, we'll all be dressed as drow. I have plans. I don't know if the plans will pan out, but I have plans of converting my entire booth into a cave with, like, flickering <laughs> candles and drow walking around with our tomes and drawing you into 
to trap you into our booth and you might disappear there. Who knows? But that, that's what's going on there. We're also running a ton of games and we're looking for Dungeon Masters. So if you want to run some D&D 5e games at Gen Con and get a free badge and some cool AEW swag, you can go on our website, adventureweek.com or awgames.com. They both go to the same place. And check out the blog post there. We've uh, Groth on our Discord channel is the way to hook up. Oh, and our Discord community is the place to go. Um, it's just us and a bunch of cool people hanging out and talking about nerdy D&D stuff all the time. So if you can't sleep, hop on. Say, hey, I can't sleep. What's going on? We'll, we'll share some cool like miniatures we painted or something, you know? <laughs> nice. And, and I think you mentioned a few different blog posts, uh, like links that folks should follow. So folks at home, don't worry. We're going to have links to all of that in the show notes. So you'll be able to follow it as, as we go. All right. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Oh, and if anyone else wants to check us out, check out AAWgames.com. Sell your soul to the corp. No, I'm just kidding. Just come check us out. Come download some some free mini dungeons. Play them with your friends. Uh, hit us up on Discord. I think it's uh, bit.ly slash games gets you over to our Discord, or they'll sh- share the link in here as well. Uh, but honestly, I'm just excited to connect with other people that have creative minds and like to play D&D. Uh, I think the world would be a better place if we just convince everyone they need to play role-playing games. So yeah, keep yeah. having fun. No, absolutely, 100%. All right, thanks, folks. Have a good night. There's no pressure to be funny right now, but if you could, like, right now, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I don't know if you want to keep the sell your soul bit. That's just, like, a random thing I threw in there for no reason. It's beautiful. I think it should be there. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.